I'd like to welcome Helen Tanyinga to Life After Abuse. Ms. Tanyinga is the founder and executive director of the Rape Hearts Foundation. She's an extraordinary woman who proves that you can do extraordinary things out of horrific circumstances. In 2009, Ms. Tanyinga started the Rape Hurts Foundation, an NGO in Uganda to help girls and women who suffered abuse in its many forms and to stop human trafficking. As she told me, I named the foundation Rape Hurts because rape hurts. The Rape Hurts Foundation has now expanded to support children, including boys, who are at risk of abuse. Ms. Tanyinga is not simply supporting girls and women who've been raped or trafficked. She's changing the culture by changing how boys, girls, and women perceive themselves and giving them the means to create their destiny. I'd like to welcome Helen Tanyinga to Life After Abuse. Back in 2008, after I'd just completed my university, and the reason why I, uh, I, I, I formed Rape Heart Foundation was because I wanted to be a voice for those that are not able to speak for themselves. Themselves, After I, being a victim of rape, I was raped at the age of 11 when I was just coming from fetching water. And the perpetrator who raped me went free and they were silenced. And my mom was silenced and was, they, we promised never to talk about it. But with that pain and what I saw my mom going through when she wanted to speak and no one could speak for her, I felt like I should be the person to speak for others that cannot speak for themselves. So after completing university, me combined with a few friends of mine, and we decided to form Repats Foundation to advocate for the rights of women and children who are daily being abused and no one is there to defend them. This is because they're ignorant, they have never gone to school, and they fear to lose. So... The reason why we formed Rape Hearts Foundation is to advocate for the rights of women and children who cannot speak for themselves, as well as helping them empower themselves so that they can be able to defend themselves. In 2009, we registered the organization, and it's fully functioning up to today. So, Helen, that is um, an incredible personal story and an amazing story of triumph as you've taken something pretty horrific and turned it into something pretty amazing for your community. Can you spend a little bit of time talking with our audience about some of the challenges that the victims of gender-based violence face in your community? The victim of GBV, as well as uh, girls that are being trafficked in the Middle East, and those that are facing FGM that we really work with, uh, we really work to rescue, are facing challenges of uh, delayed justice. For example, uh, you find that someone has been raped and or a child has been raped and the mother still up to today with the modern Uganda we have today, you find that this mother, if she goes to the police, the perpetrator pays the police and the fail goes low. Like no one is there to process the, the, the system. And we as Rep Hearts Foundation, we've come in in a way that we can help them. Those are the people that we come to know that have been raped or been abused in any way. They've been denied their rights. We go forward and help them and at least uh, speed up the process where, where we can as an organization. There is high rate of uh, corruption in the country whereby still you find that the, the perpetrator is known, but no one is there to, to speak because this person has money, or him being a man, because most of our perpetrators are men, you find that they have more financial 
ability compared to women. So they break the police, they break the judiciary. So you find that such cases just go. Another challenge that they are facing, oh, my, the victims that work with the survivors, because of excessive party in my community, whereby women are get married as early as 13, 12 years, you find that they are financially unstable. So you find that in such a circumstance, they are repeatedly abused and they become comfortable in the abuse because they don't have where to go. They have no choice. So the only choice is to go through that pain as long as their children can survive or this girl can grow up or she can still attain education. Someone is promising to pay for her education. She goes through that process of abuse and no one is there to defend them. So as rep hats, we came and say that no, every woman, at least in the community where we are working, should be empowered, should have a skill. Because even if we go ahead as rep hats Foundation, creating awareness, going around the world, spreading the gospel of women's rights, but then we are not giving them a brand, we are not giving them food, we are not giving them financial support, the process just goes on and on. So what we are doing, we are empowering them as well so that they can be able. The reason why my mom and I went through that pain, it's because my mom had no choice. She had nowhere to run to. Because in Africa, once you get married, then you had to stay there. You had nowhere to run to. So women are being also enclosed by the challenge of culture. She goes through pain because she doesn't want to ashamed her family. She decides to stay in marriage. She decides to be raped. Because then when you're raped, that you, you cannot get married. So you're raped and you have to silence yourself. You don't want even to speak about it because you don't get a chance of getting married again. Those are the, some of the challenges that, that these women are facing. What I'd like to talk with you a little bit about is a comment that you made, which I really appreciate. You've said that we can go around talking around the world about how important it is to support women's rights and to stop gender-based violence. But if we're not practically doing something about it, then it really is for nothing. It becomes kind of a talk fest. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about some of the really amazing programs that you are running out of the Rape Hurts Foundation, because it really seems as if you are um, getting women onto an independent and sustainably independent path. It seems like you're also modeling behaviors in terms of entrepreneurship for younger women and, and boys. So can you talk um, in some depth about some of these programs that you're running and some of the amazing accomplishments that um, have come out of the Rape Hurts Foundation thus far? Some of the, the programs that we are running as Rape Hurts Foundation, uh, these uh, include uh, women empowerment, as mentioned earlier. We thought like uh, since the biggest number of women in the community are uneducated and they feel like they can't even go to school because they feel like they're overgrown for that, they're beyond the age of attending school. We, as Repart Foundation, we decided to formulate life skill projects. This include like if someone is a victim and even survivors at risk of being a victim of GBV or trafficking in person because they are in the day in the day life of today Ugandans are struggling so high to get out of the country especially girls they send girls because they feel like they they are not of use so even if you die in arab emirates or you die in middle east it's it's sort of pain to the family because you're just a woman so you find that uh, that these girls are being sent to middle east to go and work so instead of wasting all that time and life we decided that such girls who are at risk of uh, being trafficked, who are at risk of suffering GBV, 
we formed a life skill project such as tailoring fashion and design. So far, we have 1,500 girls that have gone through the process of fashion and design. We have live examples of girls who have exhibited their fashion skills with uh, Italian embassies. We got other girls that are working in other areas of fashion and design and empowering themselves and even supporting their families and siblings. We have also a carpentry school for both girls and boys where they can do a lot of um, carpentry, good chairs, windows, doors. We do have fabric fabrication of metals uh, with uh, called Imperial Works, whereby we got surprised that girls are joining as well to do this kind of job. Yet in Africa, they think things like carpentry and metal works are for men. We do have uh, knitting, we do knitting, we do uh, bead, bead, bead making, we do have necklaces, such projects. Every time there is a girl who comes in and she's unemployed, we make sure we skill them with such skills. And what we do as rep hats, if someone has learned how to sew or learn how to make bead or knitting, we, we, we supply them with the material and we pay them for the put in the work, and then we buy these products and we resell them. So this helps us, women can still stay sustainable. We've also formed different micro credit groups. So far we have 10 groups in different villages around Jinja, Kamuli, Wiende, Luka, um, Buyukwe. We thought that women thought can never save anything because they believe they're not employees. So what they used to do, every little money they get was spending it probably on cheap things. But a woman who can save, we have a group of women who never believed at all. And now, as we talk, the group of 30 women, they have saved over $3,500, which seemed so impossible to them. And they don't even believe themselves we, they have successful stories. Some of them have been able to buy solar energies in their home. They have solar energy because deep in the villages, there is no electricity. They have opened up business. They have taken their kids to school. Another uh, program that Rep Hat does is that you find that these uh, ladies who are survivors or victims or at risk of being victims of GBV as well as uh, FGM, they cannot afford to take their kids at school because they marry at a very early age. So meaning that they never attend education, they don't have any skill. So what we've done as Reparts Foundation, in partnership with different schools, and we contribute towards their stationery at school and school fees. And also we have a community school whereby the children in the nearby villages, and those ones very far, can come in. We provide them with a boarding section like food, uh, school fees and everything. And then we do also have children's center whereby we have 37 children that uh, that are typically often that they don't have where to go. So we provide them with support. And normally these kids are brought in by the police because they don't have anywhere to go. Most of the, the care centers around do not uh, cannot support them. Like probably there are too many or they're overloaded. So Repat is normally a center of, to rescue such scenarios where a child has no option but can be taken up by Repat's. And also we do have uh, home safe houses for women that are GBV victims or TP running away from their perpetrators who can spend at least a month or two months or three or three or two weeks depending on the need. So that as we look with way forward, we provide emergencies to them so that they can uh, 
be able to get uh, like as they we look for better places where they are safe. Another thing that Rip Hearts Foundation does is that we do lobbying with the parliament to ensure that certain projects uh, are enforced, especially when they speak about women's rights in Uganda. If you feel like every woman has a right, and yet they have not extended the need of spreading the laws, is, uh, like carrying the laws from the constitutional book to the community. They, the laws are there, but no one is there to spread that, the women to know their rights. So we are lobbying the government to spread to the uh, communities around Uganda so that every woman should know their rights. People will know where to go. People should get proper medication. We've also come up with a construction of hospital for women and children with emergency cases. We do also uh, go to schools because we thought the only way we can curb or end GBV and all those forms that violate the rights of women is by starting on the tender age. We do community sensitization through going to primary schools, deep roots, to break the yoke from the beginning. So we go to schools as young as kids, 13 years, preaching, uh, talking about what we should do to end GBV, to end TPE, to end violation of women. So we go to schools and we do advocates uh, in different areas. Uh, churches are calling us to speak, to talk to the, to, the, to the children. Community leaders are calling us. We do provide um, maternal care sometimes where we get a funding. We do sensitize women on better, better birth methods, family planning. We also talk about the environment because it doesn't make sense as you're, you're telling women to do farming, you dig, but you're not giving them the, the ideas how they could uh, sustainable, uh, sustainably achieve modern methods of farming, you need to tell them about better environmental protection policies that can help them, that can help the community save the environment. So what I find fascinating about all of the incredible programs that you've talked about is how you're taking such a holistic view of women. You are not just saying, okay, a woman has been violated and we need to address this immediate issue that she's been violated. You are going after prevention methods. You are going after education and awareness. You're lobbying to ensure that the laws that are on the books are actually being you know, acted on. And you are teaching women a sustainable entrepreneurial mindset that probably really changes their lives and and that's a that can lead to a generational change. So I really applaud you for all of the work that you're doing. I know that Rape Hurts Foundation has even bigger goals than what you've talked about. Can you talk a little bit about what you're going to try to achieve in the future? Maybe just a couple of points and what sort of support that you need in order to be able to reach goals of helping even more women in your community? Uh, one of the goals that we really need to achieve in the future or in the near future is a self-reliant institution that can res- respond to emergencies of GBV, TP, uh, uh, trust, trafficking in person. Like we, because you find that there is a scenario whereby women need help, like now, as I speak, we have a list of women that uh, really need hospital, need uh, antenatal care because probably they were raped and their husbands are not there. 
sometimes women do not want to speak about it, but they need help. We have children that are HIV that are not getting proper medication and proper nutrition. But because we cannot stretch far, you find that some of these ladies are being cut off. You choose those emergency cases and we leave out some. So our hope and our goal is that to make sure that we, we are able to cover up as many people as we can. So we want to, like, in the future, we have operational hospital that works on those women 24 hours, which is self-contained. Like, it's one-stop center. We have a police station there that can work on the victims of uh, rape. We have a surgeon. We have a safe house in that same place. This is our Dreamers Reparts Foundation. We have a proper care, a good ambience for those people so that when they come out of that trauma and they reach this hospital, they get all the needs that they need. Or they get tired of the, uh, the process, that long process. You go to the police. The police is, let me say, 10 kilometers away. Then 20 kilometers is the hospital. So you'll find that with all that pain, the woman just gives up on herself. Another um, goal that we, we need is that in the future is to ensure that we have a capacity of the organization to have fully professional employees that can be able to help us uh, run these services, doctors, fully 24-7 lawyers that are available for this. Another goal that we need, in, uh, like we are looking for, is that we have the full capacity to get the parliament engaged in our daily day-to-day activities. How? We have to go deeper inside and look beyond with beyond what we are doing right now, so that they can be able to fulfill the promises of the people. Because we want to see that at least by 2020, 70% of women in Eastern Uganda are able to know their rights, are able to attain education, especially the girl child, without dropping out of school, and child labor, because our community is a sugar belt community. So children as young as 13, 10, 5, they're working on sugar plantations. They're they are not going to school. So we want to make sure that at least 70%, 2020, they're able to, to, to know that children should go to school. Women should do this. And women, can they, have, they get their voice, their voice back. The challenges we are having as Rep Heart Foundation are, first of all, we have a problem of uh, professionally writing proposals. So we find that we lack... Uh, the, that funding, fundraising capacity, because we are still so young, I feel. We've been there for so long, but the exposure has been so low. So you find that we have the problem of funding. So we find that most of our projects go like we, we do self-supporting and we strain to the maximum. And in the end of the day, these projects end up, uh, sometimes we lose, we lose, we can't manage them because we've lacked funding. Helen, um, I would like to pick up on one theme that you mentioned, which I think um, our audience, especially an American audience, will be very interested to hear about because there, I think there's a perception that, especially in developing countries, that women kind of accept their plight. Obviously, as a leader in this movement, you are not accepting that, and you have been fighting for for women's rights for over uh, over fifteen years. Um, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how women, how they're really fighting to get to get police to take notice of their situation, and how they are advocating for themselves, and what sort of obstacles they face when doing that. They have tried to learn to save money so that at least. 
if a man decides or um, whoever person tries decides to abuse them, they can find a way of fighting for themselves. They have started small businesses. Even when their husbands have refused them to go work, even those that have been able to attain education, they can still um, sustain themselves through different ownership uh, uh, programs. For example, I have a club of women where we make uh, do chocolates, do cocoa powder, we do cocoa butter oils, we do baking. So you find that we've created different projects, regardless whether we have been been employed or not. We, we've been able to sustain ourselves ourselves by uh, making such small projects. So Helen, this has been really great. I I always end my discussions with four questions. So Helen, what one thing would you like for victims of abuse or assault to know? Speak out, never silent, ne- never stay silent. No one will kill you because every time you keep quiet, that person will kill you silent. What one thing would you encourage victims of abuse or assault to do? I would encourage all victims of assault to always know that they are never alone. Sharing is one of the best I think that I speak out. Share your problem and stand up stand up never like don't let yourself fall you stand up and bring uh, like stand up and start from where you start you stopped from always share and always stand up please name one thing that as a ugandan society that it should be doing to stop assault and abuse uh, one thing that i think the government or the society should do is to 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 speed up that justice for these people that are used. Because one thing that I've realized that these perpetuators depend on is that they know no one is there. No one will follow up those cases. So we let the community, all of us, stand together, the society of Uganda, and speed up justice for every person that has been assaulted or sexually abused or been abused anyway as a woman or a child. And last question, what is the most important thing we should be doing to help victims and why? The most important thing that we should do to help to to help and support the victims of uh, GBV or assault is by standing there with them. We should not. We should stop judging them. Normally, women are judged because she was. They, they claim she was putting on a short dress. What did you expect? So we should be there, stand with the victims. Any any person that is victimized in any way of assault, defilement, uh, uh, rape, in any form of assault, should be, we should stand with them. We should advocate for them for their rights. We should help them in justice, as well as we should also speak to the boys, speak to the perpetrators, to speak to the potential perpetrators as well, because it's better to end to to, to end. It's better to break the, the the cause than waiting for waiting to to prevent. Oh, sorry, we should prevent than cure. Prevention is better than cure, as they always say. So then I will speak to these people. Every person that is a victim should we should they should be heard. Do not want to listen when a woman claims a man has been raped or something. No one wants to listen. Where were you? What are you doing? You you question. You you go into a procedure question. No one is there to counsel you. No one is there to stand with you. So we should stand with them. Victims should be stood with and at all times. Thank you, Ms. Taninga, for joining Life After Abuse. It's a privilege to have you here today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life After Abuse. Until next time, do one thing to support female abuse victims. Remember, they are counting on us. 
If you want to find out more about life after abuse or would like to be interviewed, please visit the website, lifeafterabusepod.com. That's L-I-F-E-A-F-T-E-R-A-B-U-S-E-P-O-D.com. Take care and be well.